Hello, this is Gene Wilhelm, and today we'll be exploring the Sunday readings for the sixth Sunday of Easter, May 9th, 2021. One of the most popular uh, verses uh, in the New Testament is probably John 3.16, which says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And it's not just something that God wishes for some people. He desires all to be saved and to have eternal life. First uh, Timothy 2.4 says, God desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Uh, if we believe this, why do we reject God's love for us, demanding that he love us in the manner that we desire and choose? Why, if we are called to love as he loves, do we refuse to love others as ourselves? These are tough questions that we often refuse to consider and answer. As I was preparing the, the study this week, uh, a reflection from St. Faustina's, Faustina's diary was a meditation for Friday. It speaks to the same issue best, based on the entry of paragraph 576 in her diary. This uh, a meditation can be found at divinemercy.life, and it is uh, reflection number 120. I want to start with the first reading today uh, because it, it talks about the universality of God's saving grace for us. And that, that is from Acts chapter 10, verses 25 and 26, 35 to 35, and 44 to 48. Uh, it begins, when Peter entered Cornelius, uh, pardon me, when Peter entered, Cornelius met him and falling at his feet, paid him homage. Peter, however, raised him up saying, get up, I myself am also a human being. Now, Cornelius, the name means a horn. Cornelius was a centurion in the Roman army. And if you go back and you look prior to this, you will see that both Cornelius and Peter had a call to get with each other. God had this plan and he really had a lot to overcome with Peter because Peter was very kosher. And what Peter understood that God was asking him to do was to break kosher. Now, well, then Peter, began, then Peter began to speak and said, In truth, I see that God shows no partiality. Rather, in every nation, whoever fears him and acts uprightly is acceptable to him. This is a very strange concept uh, for a Jew to speak. The note in uh, the New Jerusalem Bible for Acts 10, I think it's J, the language of sacrifice, uh, the unblemished victim and its offering offerer are both acceptable to God. Then it says in Isaiah 56, 7, had prophesied that when the fullness of time came, the Gentile sacrifices would be acceptable to God. Let's take a look at that Isaiah 56. I'm going to go back and look at verse 6 and 7. It says, As for foreigners who adhere to Yahweh to serve him, to love Yahweh's name and become his servants, all who observe the Sabbath, not profaning it and clinging to my covenant, these I shall lead to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all peoples. That's very key that we understand that. Uh, and, and if you go on, since it's such a strange concept for the Jews, it's interesting that Paul says basically the same thing in Romans 15, 16. He says, I was given grace to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, dedicated to offer them the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an acceptable offering sanctified by the Holy Spirit. And so 
we we look at that and and go on. It says it's very interesting, and it's, he goes on and says every nation should fear him. So why is that? Expression says here fears him. So the Roman the the note in the Acts for ten B for New Jerusalem Bible says the expressions for fearing God and worshiping God are technically terms for admirers and followers of the Jewish religion who stop short of circumcision. So it's the, those, the, those who have been proselytized are fully in communion with the Jews. So the, he's talking here about not necessarily someone who is a convert to Judaism because Cornelius wasn't. He was a God-fearing man. But it's, he's talk, Acts is talking about what is anybody who decides to follow God doesn't have to be circumcised, doesn't have to be Jewish to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And that's very important. That's key. And we don't always see that when we see things in, in the Scripture. But then in Galatians 2.6, Paul also says, but those who were recognized as important people, whether they were actually important or not, there is no favoritism with God. Those recognized as leaders, I am saying, think had nothing to add to my message. So Paul, Paul in, in Galatians is saying, you don't have to be a religious leader to be acceptable to God. You don't have to be a Pharisee. And that, again, is a key thing that we need to understand. And let if we go down a little bit farther when in, in Acts chapter 9 or 10, farther down along where we are, uh, there is a note uh, there that says, Peter, Peter calls this the Pentecost of the Jews. So, so while Peter was speaking these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the word. The circumcised believers, those who went as far as circumcision, who didn't stop short of circumcision, whether they were Jewish by uh, heritage or Jewish by conversion, who had accompanied Peter were astounded, astounded that the gift of the Holy Spirit should have been poured out on the Gentiles, the non-Jews, for they could hear them speaking in tongues and glorifying God. Now, if you go back to Acts chapter 2, uh, verse 4, the first thing that you see after the Holy Spirit descended upon the 120 in the upper room, it says, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit gave them power to express themselves. That's key, very key. And then at 11, uh, it, it talks about who all was in Jerusalem at that time. It says, Jews and proselytes alike, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them preaching in our own language about the marvels of God. So God didn't care where the person came from. God didn't care whether they were Jewish by birth or Jewish by conversion. God let them all hear the word that was being preached by Peter and the apostles on that particular day. So we need to understand that. They, they, you have to get your head wrapped around that God is able to do whatever he wants. He doesn't have to conform himself to what we think he ought to be doing. And that's sometimes very difficult to comprehend. Then Peter responded. Ah, Peter's taking command again. He is the leader that is there, the one that Jesus appointed to be the rock upon which his church was founded. Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit as we have? Look, God has done something for them that he did for us. How can we refuse them to be baptized and to become a part of those followers of Jesus Christ 
If God has already chosen them, why are we setting ourselves in opposition to God? Why are we being the ones who are trying to judge what God is doing? And if he doesn't do what we want, then we're all upset. So he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Now let's go back a couple of other uh, verses here. It says, now in verse uh, Acts 2, 20, 33, pardon me. Now, raised to the heights by God's right hand, he has received from the Father the Holy Spirit who was promised. And what you see and hear is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Again, Peter is, this is part of Peter's uh, first sermon after he received the gift of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost Sunday. So he's telling the people who are uh, gathered there, those from all over the, the world who were there for the feast of Pente- the Jewish feast of Pentecost from around the world, that this is the Holy Spirit. And this is what, what you have uh, in Joel that was promised that the Holy Spirit would come. And then what, what do they have to do to do this? Again, back in Acts 2.38, part of this, lap, this first sermon by Peter, it says, you must repent. That means change your way of thinking. Change the way your life is going. And every one of you must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. When we were baptized, one of the consequences of that is that we received the Holy Spirit. And we'd have to be very sure that we understand what that means and what that, what that, what that means and that we are supposed to allow the Holy Spirit to act in our lives rather than, than trying to control the Holy Spirit as we often try to control what God is going to be doing in the lives of the people around us. Let's look at 8, 836 and 37 in Acts. This is, this is talking about when Philip was going down the road and the, he was in the, the uh, chariot with the Ethiopian eunuch and he explained the gospel to him. And the eunuch, the eunuch was totally ignorant of what the gospel, what the Old Testament was saying and Philip explained it to him. And when the eunuch understood what, what was going on, he said, further along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, there, here is some water. Is there anything to prevent my being baptized? So the, the eunuch said, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Baptize me so that I can become one of his followers. Now, if we've come to the end of the first reading, and if we look at the responsorial song, the, the response is the Lord has revealed to the nations his saving power. What, we, what you see in there, several that you also see in one of the verses, it talks about in the sight of the nations, and saying, joyful to the Lord, all you lands. It's a universal call to holiness. It's a universal call to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and his Father and his Son and the Holy Spirit. And it's extended to all people. You don't have to be Jewish to have that. Now, I want to look at the gospel next. And the gospel is from John chapter 15, verses 9 through 17. This is a continuation of the gospel that we studied last week. And uh, perhaps it would be good to go back and read the first eight verses of John chapter 15 before you, you start looking at John chapter 9 through uh, 15, 9 through 17. But we're not going to do that here because of time constraints. You can look, do that for yourself. So uh, let's go back and look here. Jesus said to his disciples, as the Father loves me, so I also love you. Isn't it interesting? This is at the Last Supper, and we're going to have a lot of quotes from some of the things that Jesus said in the Last Supper that we're going to look at today. So the father loved him. If the father loved him, why did he ask his son to be crucified on the cross? And that's because it was the father's will. That is why 
Jesus says, and it's in the three synoptic gospels, and I choose the one in, in, in Luke, well, Luke 9, 23 and following says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me every day. And it goes on to say, for whoever would choose to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake, he will save it. So the life that we are living, if you want to retain the life that you're living where you're in control rather than having God in control, eventually you're going to lose it all and probably and very possibly lose it for all eternity. If you lose, you let go of the life that you, where you're in control and allow God to have control of your life. It's going to be more difficult from a human perspective to be able to do that, but you will have eternal life. So let's look at John 3.35 here and see what it has to say. And this, this is John the Baptist talking. This isn't Jesus. This is John the Baptist. John the Baptist says, The Father loves the Son and has entrusted everything to his hands. Anyone who believes in the Son has eternal life, but anyone who refuses to believe in the Son will never see life. God's retribution hangs on him. So, again, what's your relationship? Do you believe in Jesus Christ? As, as we talk often uh, with James, James basically says, if you believe, then you better act. Because if you don't, if you believe and you say you believe and you don't act, then you're, you're not, you're not living anything. You, you, you need, the, the belief in Jesus Christ requires a response that's a change in our life. So it's very important that we look at that. And so if we go back to John chapter three, well, where this comes from, uh, uh, to note, T in the Jerusalem Bible says, by the Father's decree, all things are in the hand of or power of the Son. And he gives a various uh, 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 verses where that's told on the basis of the sovereignty. Now, that he will assume on the day of his lifting up. So when he was lifted up, that was on the cross. That's where Jesus established his control over everything. That's where Satan was defeated. The thing is that Satan doesn't always act as though he's defeated, and we don't act as though Satan is defeated in our lives. And so we go on and do, listening to the lies of Satan and do the things that we shouldn't be doing. And on that day, the prince of the world will forfeit his kingdom. That's John 12, 31. So do you, do you believe that? Do you believe that? I don't know. But let's go on some more, and let's look at John chapter 10. As the Father has loved me, I love you. Says, and then he's Jesus. How did Jesus love us? He told us it a couple of weeks ago when we were studying the Good Shepherd. And John 10 14 and 15 says, I am the Good Shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for my sheep. <clears throat> wow. You, you, you ready for that? Are you ready for that at all? You go again to John. 13, 1, this again is at the Last Supper. He says, Before the festival of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come to pass from the world to the Father, having loved those who were in the world, loved them to the end. Jesus loved all the people, all of God's children, to the very end of his life. He wouldn't have loved, if he hadn't laid down his life for them on the cross, he wouldn't have loved them in the way that this scripture verse is telling us. So you, you've got that. And then he, again in John chapter 17, 13, which is the high priestly prayer, says, but now I am coming to you and say these things in the, 
the world to share my joy with them to the full. He's praying to his father. He's saying he's sharing all that the father has told him with his disciples at this point in time at the Last Supper so that the joy that the father gave the son will be available to the disciples. And this is, again, this is Jesus realizing that he is going to be uh, on the cross before it's all over. Now, he goes on to say, if you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and remain in his love. What is he saying, John 14, 15? We've, we've had this too. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And what did he say in John chapter 15 here? We're going to see it down here a little bit later, that you lay down your life for your friends. Now, it's very important that we, we think about these things. John also, in his first God, his first letter says, for what it this is what love is. God, pardon me, this is what the love of God is, keeping his commandments. Nor are his commandments burdensome, because every child of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Oh, so my, if I'm struggling uh, with not succumbing to the temptations of the world and its prince, then that's my faith that is lacking? I don't want to hear that. I don't know about you. I really don't want to hear that because I want to blame somebody else. And he goes on to say in John chapter 4, verse 34, my food is to do the will of the one who sent me and to complete his work. I thought the Father's work was completed at the time of creation, when creation was finished. No, his work is not completed. He's, he's working still. Because if you think about it, God is in eternity and creation was in time. So God is continuing to work. He goes on to say in John chapter 5, verse 30, This again, these are earlier in his ministry. By myself, I can do nothing. I can judge only as I am told to judge. And my judging is just because I seek not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. So Jesus is saying to his disciples early on that he was totally submitted to the will of the Father. Regardless of what the Father wanted, however inconvenient or painful it might be, that's what he was going to do. And I'm going to do one more here. Uh, John 14, 31 Says, he says, the world must recognize that I love the Father and I act just as the Father commanded me. Again, he's saying this at the Last Supper, that he is being submissive to the Father, even though he knows what's coming up for him. Now, I can go back, we can go back and look at this some more, but it's very important that we take a look at this and look at our own lives to see whether we have this kind of submission to the will of the Father that Jesus is talking about here. Then he says something that's strange to me, perhaps to you also. I have told you all this, my joy may be in you and your joy might be complete. You mean it's supposed to be joyful for me to submit to the will of the Father, even when it uh, goes against my will, when it's inconvenient, when it's painful to follow the will of the Father. Where's the joy in that? Well, he says it's there. What, what does that mean? Jesus had joy even in the midst of the suffering that he had. Joy is something, is not happiness, it's something else. And we need to, you need to discover what that joy is for yourself uh, rather than to uh, decide that you're going to do something different from what you, that what you, as, as to what you want to do. And then John chapter 15, verse uh, note E says, the perfect happiness of the Messianic era, which is communicated by the Son of God. So God, Jesus is going to give us his joy, not the joy that the world says you should have, uh, 
the frivolity and the giddiness, perhaps, that the world says you should have. You're supposed to have the joy that God gives you, which is the joy is, is, is the peace and knowledge that you're in union with God as much as you possibly can and that you're going to spend eternity with him. Then he goes on to say uh, that this is my commandment, that you love one another as I love you. No one has greater love than this to lay down one's life for his, one's friends. And so what are you going to do about that? John, uh, are you going to do that? Are you going to lay down your life for your friends? John 17, 13, again, in the Last Supper, he says, But now I'm coming to you, and I say these things in the world to share my joy with them to the full. Well, I think we've already said that once, but anyway, I'm going to repeat it. And then in 1 John 1, 4, we are writing this to you so that our joy be, may be complete. So our joy comes from spreading the gospel. That's part of where our joy comes from, our evangelization. John 13, 34, again, we'll quote it again. It says, I give you a new commandment, love one another. You must love one another as I have loved you. And we don't always do that, do we? And we need to know that God has called us to do that, to love one another as he has loved us. Uh, so, and it's not just John that's talking about that. It's, if we look at Ephesians 5, uh, 5, 1 and 2, it says, As God's dear children, take him as your pattern and follow Christ by loving as he loved, giving himself up for us as an offering and a sweet-smelling sacrifice to God. So are you willing to give yourself up as a sweet-smelling sacrifice to God for the sake of the others in your life, the ones to whom God has set, entrusted you as shepherd over those sheep? I don't know that you are, and I am. But that's what we're supposed to be doing. Greater love than this has no one than to lay down his life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Do you do what God commands you to do? First John 3.16 says, This is the proof of love that he laid down his life for us, and we too ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. That is the call of the gospel. Okay. And John 3.36, anyone who believes in the Son of the Man has eternal life, but anyone who refuses to believe in him will never see life. God's retribution hangs over him. So it says, I have called you friends because I have told you everything I have heard from my Father. It was not you who chose me, but I who chose you and appointed you to go out and to bear fruit that will remain, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. This is my command, he says again, to love one another. Let's take a look at the second reading. The second reading is from John chapter 4, verses 7 through 10. It's very short, as many of these have been over the last uh, several weeks. And the second reading says, Beloved, let us love one another. Uh, the scripture that came to my mind on this was 1 Thessalonians 4, 9. As for brotherly love, there is no need to write you about that, since you, you yourselves have learnt from God to love one another. So Paul is telling the Thessalonians, he sees that they're talking, they're doing the kind of love that John is talking about here. And then John goes on and says, everyone who loves is begotten by God and knows God. Is that so? Well, that's very interesting, isn't it? Uh, note 4, 1 John 4, F, 
in the Jerusalem Bible says, God loved Israel. The sending of his only son, his savior in the world, makes this the love of God visible because God himself is love and makes the believer who is the child of God participate in love. So what basically what that is saying is that God loves us in such a fashion that he sent his son, which, you know, what we saw in John 3, 16, but so that not just so that we could be saved, but so that we could participate in the love of God and we could love as God loves. Whoever is without love does not know God, for God is love. 1 John 4, 16, just down a few verses from this, we have recognized for ourselves and put our faith in the love God has for us. God is love, and whoever remains in love remains in God and God in him. And again, we'll go back to John 15, 12 that we saw earlier. This is my commandment, love one another as I have loved you. In this way, God revealed... The love of God was revealed to us. He sent his only son into the world so that we might have life through him. Oh, okay. And then we've got that from John, 1 John 4, 19, which is down below from where we're here. It says, let us love then because he first loved us. And Romans 5, 8 says, so it is proof of God's own love for us that Christ died while we were still sinners. We weren't holy when Jesus died on the cross. Most of us aren't always holy even after he died on the cross. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but he has loved us and sent his son as expiation for our sins. First John 2, 2 says, he is the sacrifice to expiate our sins and not only ours, but those of the whole world. Goes back to that first reading where there is a universal call to holiness, the universal salvation of people by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. One more verse, and and uh, we'll, we'll end the day. What it says God appointed him as sacrifice. Oh, this is Romans three twenty five and twenty six. God appointed him as sacrifice for reconciliation through faith by shedding his blood of his blood, and so showed his justness first for the past when sins went unpunished because he held his hand, and now again for the present age to show how he is just and justifies everyone who has faith in Jesus. Today is a good day to believe that God loves you and decide to let him love you the way he wants to love you. If you choose not to do this, perhaps you should change the way you pray the Our Father. You should leave out the words, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The only place where you and I have the power to ensure that God's will is done on earth is in our own lives. I appreciate your listening to this podcast and I hope that God bless you blesses you abundantly this week. And I hope to see be with you again next week. God bless.